Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The draft and free agency have happened. Not a lot of action from a Magic perspective, so there are thoughts to be shared as this is now year four of Welthem in charge. Magic founder Jimmy Hewitt passed away. COVID-19 is still a problem as NBA players and staffers are testing positive in training camps. Preseason's going right now as we speak, and the 2020-2021 NBA season is tipping off just before Christmas. Let's go. All right, uh, we're going to get to the uh, sad news first and just kind of get that out of the way. But uh, Jimmy Hewitt passed away at the age of 79 years old. He was dealing with COVID-19 as well as being in the advanced stages of dementia, which sounds absolutely horrifying to me. And my thoughts or our thoughts, I guess, go out to his family. And we're, we're almost at the end of 2020, Penny, and, uh, you know, COVID-19, it's still blazing both in this country and, and globally, and, you know, it's it's going to keep going, unfortunately, into the early stages of 2021, at least, but it's it's been a brutal year, and, you know, we, we lost an OG when it comes to the magic. You know, Jimmy Hewitt, he was born and raised in Orlando, I believe, unless I'm missing something. Um, you know, I'm born and raised in Orlando, and... There is no Orlando Magic basketball franchise without Jimmy Hewitt's dream. He's, you know, he's listed as a co-founder. He's the founder, basically. He he recruited Pat Williams to just get the ball rolling on a franchise being created. And, you know, Hewitt probably would have been the lead group investor of this franchise had David Stern in the league not kind of forced him to step aside and get uh, you know DuPont involved to be the main owner of the franchise instead um, and that takes a lot of swallowing of pride and it there's a lot of men that probably wouldn't be you know do that situation there's, there's other men that kind of just maybe burn it to the ground and be like well if I can't be the head guy then fuck that we're, we're not doing this but um, there is an irony to it and that DuPont goes broke you know not long after our inaugural season and and the, the Voss family comes in and buys the team in late 1991 um, and there's just a completely different path and franchise outlook if Stern doesn't make Jimmy Hewitt kind of go to the side and instead would have let him and his group of investors kind of run the team but I don't know what are your thoughts on kind of the stuff I said Penny and just uh you know Hewitt in general because he's not a guy that's really in the spotlight not since probably after you know since after the first finals run in 95 you don't see Jimmy Hewitt much in the news tied to the magic yeah I think definitely you know we've probably casual magic fans are well aware of Pat Williams but Probably not so much Jimmy Hewitt. And uh, yeah, uh, obviously very, very sad news. And uh, without him, we would have no podcast and none of this. And probably the city would not be um, near what it is today either. Hell, Conway Road could still be a dirt road if not for Jimmy Hewitt. Who knows? I I don't know, man. But like half of UCF maybe wouldn't have been developed. I don't know. There's, there's all this stuff that, that ties into all this, I guess. Cause I mean, we could still be talking about cow pastures and how you and I have orange trees in our front and backyards, you know, who knows? Right. But, um, gosh, it's, 
Yeah, I, I fully recommend, I, I feel like I do this every few podcasts, but I fully recommend if, if you don't own it or, or even just rent it, get um, you know the Making Magic book that Pat Williams wrote because it's basically a diary and it explains kind of the, ch- the, the history and the chats there, especially at the start with Jimmy Hewitt and just how the team is and the franchise dream is formed. And it's just, it's, it, it's it's a great it's a great book and it, it's basically the a bible to magic fans it should be treated as a bible to the history of the magic and you know rest in peace to jimmy hewitt it's a tough loss and I, we I, we haven't heard yet if the magic are going to do any specific dedication to him i hope they do i mean he's obviously in the magic hall of fame but um you know i don't know if they're going to do like a patch or something or and just anything to just kind of make it more visible of how important he was to to the franchise's existence but i don't know if you got any other thoughts or if you want to just move on to our draft and signings that happened over the past month or so penny well that's uh that's life right moving on to the next thing so let's let's jump into some of the action all right so Better basketball news, believe it or not, even if it's passive and not the most aggressive uh, offseason in Magic history. But, you know, the Magic drafted Cole Anthony 15th overall. I'm not mad about the pick. Uh, you know, he's six foot three. He's 20 years old. He's, you know, the son of 10-year NBA vet Greg Anthony, who Greg Anthony is, you know, from an NBA perspective, I don't know if he was, he was probably most famous on the Knicks, but I mean, in general, basketball wise, he was most famous for being on the, on those UNLV teams. But, um, you know, Cole, he had to carry a terrible North Carolina team. He averaged 18 and a half points per game. And, you know, even just that roster was weird. It was almost like an old school roster because I think at times they were playing like two like traditional big men. And they had very little shooting around him, and it, it was just a bad UNC team overall. So um, Cole's going to wear number 50 like his dad did, like uh, Mike Miller has worn, like Corey Maggette has worn in the past for the Magic. Um, and I said it in the last podcast, I believe, but my one my one worry with him, with Cole, is if his body can kind of handle the NBA grind. You know, he can shoot. He can play both guard spots. I mean, we saw him. You know, we're recording this Sunday morning before the Magic played their second preseason game of the campaign, um, which will be a 5 p.m. Eastern tip against Atlanta. But their first game, which we all had to illegally stream Friday night, was uh, was in Atlanta. And we got to see Cole Anthony play some backup point guard. And we also got to see him play alongside Markel Fultz for a little bit. So he's got that in him. Um, he kind of moves and drives to the hole a little bit like Fultz does, which is encouraging. I would say Fultz is, even though I think Fultz is listed at 6'4", and, and Cole Anthony's listed at 6'3", but Fultz just looks n- noticeably bigger. Um, not even just like a girth thing, just he just looks bigger limb-wise and height-wise. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, Clifford has him. He at least in training camp had had Cole uh, focus primarily on the point guard position as he'll be the backup to Fultz with DJ Augustine gone. But I guess what are your initial thoughts on what you've seen of Cole? I don't know if you agree on kind of my my assessment of what his body you know, if his body can handle the NBA grind. I mean, I was looking at looking at the at the Atlanta game, and again, it's one preseason game, but you can kind of see the problems that could develop as far as he he's going to get pushed around a lot. Can he take as much contact at in the NBA as he did at UNC? We'll find out. But I don't know if you had any initial thoughts on Cole Penny. Yeah, I think um, 
the the body in terms of measurables too is uh i guess this is the first time under the current basketball off of you know front office regime that we're we're really taking someone who on paper doesn't fit the mold and he's not undersized six three right. is still a good height he's not undersized but he, he doesn't have like a six ten wingspan right um but but in terms of you know i think the the skill and talent is undeniable and there's a lot of talk about um you know being able to showcase it more in a more open playing environment in the nba as opposed to in college and, and obviously with a um, pretty poor supporting cast at North Carolina. Um, I thought there were some flashes in the first preseason game that are encouraging, but really I think the most encouraging sign for Magic fans is that Clifford seems pretty well resigned to having him plugged into the backup point guard role already. Yeah, and look, again, I'm, I, I don't judge anything off these preseason games that we're going to have. It's He's being thrown into the fire, you know, him, Chumo Kiki, just any any rookies being thrown into the fire right now because literally from the draft, he's had like a week and a half before uh, of, of mental preparation before training camp, and then now he's in training camp. You know, we're just like 10 days into training camp, basically. He's going to have two weeks of preseason and practice, and then that's it. There, you know, there's no summer league warm-up. There's, there's nothing time-wise, to really give you a break or really prep yourself for an NBA season ahead. So it's going to be trial by fire, and, you know, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see. Mentally, he looks like he can handle it. I mean, he's very well composed. You know, he, he flat out said Friday night, like, I didn't play well. And, you know, obviously there were some aspects where he, he showed good signs here and there. He didn't completely embarrass himself, but he knows that overall, you know, he made some mistakes. There's some adjusting to get to, and I think mentally he's going to be fine. And in the situation that we're in now, where we're playing, you know, this 72 game regular season during again COVID 19 times, and you're going to always have you know that the pandemic in the back of your mind somewhere, in some capacity at least. So if you're mentally prepped, if you're if you have the mental capacity to you know just the mental, I guess. Uh, strength to really, you know, persist and persevere and get through this type of situation. That's that's the majority of the battle, more than even just the basketball stuff itself. Like that's going to come, you know, if you stay healthy and mentally you're in a good spot, you're you're already mostly there. So, um, go, looking back again at the draft, though, you know, Aaron Neesmith, he went to Boston ahead of us, so he was the guy I really wanted, the Vanderbilt kid. I'm sure Jeff Turner wanted him real bad as well. Um, out of the people that we passed up, I, I would have preferred R.J. Hampton over Cole uh, Anthony. He, I think he fell all the way to 24 to Denver, which, again, you look at the Nuggets, like Michael Porter Jr. falls into their lap, and now you got R.J. Hampton, who's another high school blue chipper who, you know, going into the last season – RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony were probably projected to be picks number one and two in the draft going in. And now you have Cole falling to 15 and you had Hampton fall all the way down to 24. So was there anyone in the draft that you really wanted, Penny, that we we didn't get or that we passed up or, or no strong opinion in that regard? Um, I think we were definitely on the same page in terms of Aaron Neesmith, but 
Uh, I was pleasantly surprised with the Cole Anthony pick. It's uh, um, it's been a little bit of a rare occurrence with you know again Hammond and, and Weltman that we've taken kind of blue chip prospects. Um, so I think that there's some. Uh, I guess there's a there's a secondary gain or an ancillary benefit in taking a player from you know a well known school, a well known. Uh, program yeah um, and also someone with you know mba pedigree and the heritage that um I, I think there's kind of instant credibility for the fans too so i feel like that kind of plays into the decision at least a little bit as well yeah I, i'm still very surprised that spike lee was at his draft party but he's he's a new york kid i guess and it was weird seeing just spike lee's face pop up in that but um anyway so we also dealt away our forty-fifth pick, uh, you know, for the for two se- future second-round picks. So one of those second-round picks is definitely going to be in twenty twenty-six. So, uh, you know, Waltman and Hammond may not be around by then, depending on how things go. But and then the other second-round pick, it's either going to be twenty twenty-two, twenty twenty-three, or twenty twenty-four. So um, Milwaukee drafted the six-foot-seven, twenty-two-year-old Jordan Nawara from Louisville. And that guy can score, so we'll see if we made a mistake there. Because I don't want to be—I don't want to beat like a dead horse or anything. But you know, this this front office hasn't valued both late first-round picks and then overall second-round picks in general. They haven't valued them, other than maybe Wes Wundu, who we will talk about in a bit here. But um, we let a Wundu walk. But you know, we let Taylen Horton Tucker get away. Uh, THT as Lakers fans, uh, you know, nickname him for his for his uh, initials and whatnot. But um, you know, in the 2019 draft, we had I think the 46 pick, and we trade we drafted him and traded him that night to the Lakers for 2.2 million dollars in cash, and then a second round pick that we actually included to get James Ennis in the trade with Philadelphia. So um, we'll see. We'll see, you know, if Nawara will make us regret, you know, getting rid of that forty-fifth pick. We'll see if THT will make us regret, uh, you know, getting rid of him in twenty nineteen. But you know, counting Chumo Kiki and now Cole Anthony, we we have two first-round rookies on the squad, and I guess the front office didn't want to have you know more than two you know drafted rookies on the team, basically. I guess, but I don't know. What's your thought on that as far as? I guess in a in a crazy year like this, where everything's all compacted schedule wise, you know, maybe it, it is it is is it isn't a good idea to have you know a whole bunch of rookies that you plan on on being, I guess, rotation guys. That two is is an okay number. Yeah, I think development will be interesting um, to watch across the board, and I'm sure you know we'll get into this later too with the Magic taking a flyer on a on a two way player. Um, but in terms of having or trying to have multiple contributors, you know, you, you're going to use probably more of the roster this year on any given night than you do in years past. And oh yeah. If anything, if anything goes crazy in terms of um, health and wellness, you mm-hmm. know, your 12 through 15 are probably going to see a lot more run. So um, in terms of having actual contributors on the roster, two, two rookies or two and a half rookies or whatever it is, is probably enough. Um, when you're still trying to, to fight to be in the mix in an improved Eastern Conference to, to make the playoffs again. 
Yeah, in the NBA, I think I think it was leaked yesterday um, that you know NBA ro- active rosters like guys that can dress are expanding from thirteen to fifteen. So I, I would say hell, get your two way guys involved too, make it fifteen to seventeen. But I, I guess they don't want to make it too crazy. But it, I'm gonna I'm gonna be curious to see if our team or if any other teams take a couple of those guys. Don't have them at all on the bench. Keep them like quarantined in the hotel or something. Like if you know they're not playing that night, like keep them like deep in the locker rooms or something. You know, in case you get an outbreak situation and you you got you're gonna rely on your 14th and 15th guy to step in here and there. I'm sure. So I'll, I'll be curious to see about that. But all right, let's get to the free agency signings. So we signed 25 year old uh, FSU and Lakeland Polk County 66 wing Dwayne Bacon. He had a pretty good debut against Atlanta, so good for Dwayne. Bacon was sizzling that Friday night. Um, but we signed him to two years at about $1.6 million per season. Uh, the second year is non-guaranteed, so that's you know that's a team-friendly contract for sure. But he's basically filling in for the departed Wessel And because Ennis was out hurt with both a calf and a toenail issue, Bacon just immediately slotted into the starting small forward spot, and I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he was hitting some threes. He was doing some good stuff on the defensive end. And, look, Bacon played with Jonathan Isaac at FSU, and then he was coached by Steve Clifford in Charlotte his rookie season. You know, Bacon spent three seasons with the Hornets, so his fourth NBA season is now this one, and he's he's in Orlando now. But are we going to get the 43.7 3.0% shooting guy from two years ago, or are we going to get the 28.4 three-point percentage bacon from last season? I mean, if you hit the, hit the middle, you're at about 35 36% from three-point range, and I, I'd say for a 13th, 14th, 15th guy, I would take that. I don't know about you, Penny. Yeah, certainly. Uh, even you know, even league average shooting um, would be an improvement over some roster construction in years past. So, um, I, I think there's obviously a, the front office is uh, big fans of Leonard Hamilton's work at Florida State. I, you know, even even the Lakeland roster is littered with uh, um, you know Florida State players um, year in and year out. So, in terms of there being a familiarity with the Clifford and the coaching staff, and then also the Florida State pedigree, um, certainly a, a flyer worth taking. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs drafted Devin Vassell, what was it, 10th, 11th, whatever? And, I mean, you're right, FSU, they're, they're really going up there as far as just, you know, reputation, and they might become a blue-chip school here coming, coming real quick. I mean... And so, from from that perspective, that may not be a bad idea to, to go local with the FSU guys, but we'll see. I mean, Isaac, look, when Isaac's going to be, when Isaac is healthy, he is going to probably be the best player on our team, I think. Um, you know, he showed glimpses of it again in the bubble briefly, that two-way playing-wise, like, he's already the best defender on the court for sure, but offensively, there's some promise there, and Look, Dwayne Bacon, all he wants is just a chance. And he felt like under, you know, at least the James Borrego crew, you know, he wasn't getting that chance. And, you know, Charlotte was what well, didn't get invited to the Disney bubble. So he hadn't played a competitive game since March. So Friday night looked pretty good in, in that aspect, considering he hadn't played a real basketball game in like eight, nine months. So, um, 
and then he's a big Tracy McGrady guy, uh, being he, him, him being from, you know, Lakeland, Polk County area. Um, you know, McGrady's from Auburndale, so that's, that's pretty close. And so, um, I'm not going to say any, he, there's any comparisons to Bacon and McGrady, but there's some offensive movement where you can kind of see like, okay, there's, there's a T-Mac love influence there. So, I wish Dwayne uh, the best of luck. I mean, he's filling in—he's filling in for basically Wes Wondu most likely. And you know how much I loved Wes. He didn't get his the playing time he thought he deserved. That we all thought he deserved under Steve Clifford. And it's going to be interesting to see how he does in Dallas. Um, we, we could we could see one night where him and Luka Doncic like combined for like sixty points, and we're going to be like Jesus Christ, what we do, but. Um, you know, the Bacon situation is pretty similar to the Wondu situation where West wasn't getting the minutes that we probably thought he deserved. Um, and now he, you know, we basically let him go to seek that opportunity because he wasn't going to get that opportunity here. Whereas now Bacon left Charlotte, no, believes he's going to get a better opportunity here in Orlando under Clifford and under the, some of the coaches that um, that taught him, you know, how to shoot and whatnot or, or that improved the shooting and whatnot. Uh, with the coaching staff, and we'll see how that goes. So, um, so next next uh, free agent topic: we re-signed the 29-year-old Michael Carter Williams to a two-year, fully guaranteed deal. Uh, it's 3.3 million dollars per season. It's still a strong value deal in my mind, as he enters his third Magic season with some actual contract stability. But look, he's he's not going to be a consistent shooter. We know that, but. He's going to get to the hole. He's going to cause chaos on defense, and he's just a pure energy guy. That this 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 is a good signing in my in my mind. I don't know what your thoughts are with MCW. I've completely come around. I think <laughs> everybody has. If you didn't, if you didn't the first year, everybody's on board now at this point. I mean, obviously, two years ago, there's no question that. Magic would not have made the playoffs without him coming on as a 10-day signing. Um, and, and at this point, you know what you're going to get from him. You'd like to rein in the shooting or continue to rein in rein in the shooting. Um, but that's almost like, uh, you know, par for the course in terms of what you get otherwise, what he brings to the table that is sorely, desperately needed on the team. Um, and also, I think it's, you know, there's a, um, I think there's a sweet spot. He probably at this point had other suitors. Um, had to have. Had to a little have. bit of give and take in terms of, you know, we really resurrected his NBA career. Yeah. I mean, he was done. He, he was done in, in Houston, I think. It was the last stop. And then brought him for a couple 10 days. Helped us make that 42-40 uh, playoff season. And then last season... You know, he helped us get in the playoffs again. Fortunately, we didn't have him in the Bucks series. And, I mean, we needed him bad. If we had him, we might have won another game, honestly, just based off what he does. Um, he was showing some offense. Those, those 10, 12 games after the All-Star break, you know, before the COVID-19 pandemic hit um, and, and, shut, and shut the league down, um, you know, MCW was showing some offense. So, uh I think he had like four air balls, or at least he missed the, the rim completely four times, I think, in the Atlanta game Friday night. But I'm, I'm just going to chalk that off to him getting getting the, the misses out of the way now. We'll, we'll see. I, I don't I don't know how good of a shooter he's going to be, but 
I could see him flirting around the 30% three-point range, which I will happily take from him. So, All right, next guy, Gary Clark. He's going to be back for a second Magic season. We did extend him a qualifying offer at first, and then we re-signed uh, the 26-year-old 6-6 forward to a two-year deal. Uh, the second year is non-guaranteed as well, just like with Dwayne Bacon. Uh, it's only at about $2 million per season, so Gary shot 35% from three in about 24 in 24 regular season games last season with us, and then he kept shooting the 35% uh, shooting in the playoffs as well. So I mean, here he here Gary comes off a few 10-day contracts in January after you know Jonathan Isaac went down the first time, and then you know we signed him the re- the rest of the, se- the regular season. He gets those five playoff games against Milwaukee, you know, with Isaac. Aaron Gordon, Mo Bamba, and Michael Carter-Williams all out hurt. Uh, Gary had to guard Giannis Adetokounmpo. He had to guard the MVP, and he had the he had that primary assignment for mo- most of the series, I would say. It's basically between him and James Ennis, pretty much. And I think Gary did okay under the circumstances. So, I mean, this is this is a good signing. Uh, I, I wanted Gary back, I think, uh, at the right price, and it's definitely the right price at $2 million per season. And what are your thoughts on Gary? Yeah, I think uh, definitely right price, um, and he showed enough in the bubble um, that warranted bringing him back on the exact deal that he got. I think in terms of end of the bench, non-rotational player, that's uh, about the value um, and talent level that you're going to get. Certainly, uh, you know, fringe or just above fringe NBA player, but in the same way that, you know, Mo Spades or um, uh, Jarrell Martin or someone else can oh, come yeah. in and, and knock down some threes in a, in a pinch, I think uh, Gary's certainly just as capable. Yeah. All right. So we also retained uh, 30-year-old James Ennis, who is also getting a second season with the Magic. He signed a one-year contract. Uh, James is rumored to be getting about $3.3 million. It was, it's basically the only contract figure that wasn't really confirmed by Josh Robbins from the athletic, but the, the thought is it's about 3.3 million, just like Michael Carter Williams is getting. Um, I honestly, I would have, I, I would prefer to have a one do over James, um, I have no issues with Ennis. I mean, Ennis showed good, great fight. I mean, from the moment we got him for basically nothing in the, you know, from the Sixers. I mean, it was that second round pick we gave him basically. Um, and he filled in, he's, he's been starting mostly at small forward, you know, alongside Aaron Gordon with Jonathan Isaac out. And, you know, he's out injured slightly right now with, you know, a toenail issue, which I don't know if people realize if you have like a toenail issue, whether it's, you know, I don't know, uh, broken or just just any type of toenail pain that hurts and that sucks for basketball purposes. So anyone kind of poo pooing that as a, a legitimate injury need to just kind of calm down a bit. It's 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 a painful thing to deal with, um, especially if you've ever been to an NBA locker room and you see some of these guys' feet. Their feet are fucking brutalized. Like even just a few games into a season, it's it's those things are wrapped and bruised and it's it's ugly sometimes. Some but. Um, yeah, if you, if you have a foot fetish, which thank God I don't, um, you would probably be horrified going in there, but, um, yeah, I mean, Ennis, he also had, I guess, had a calf issue, which was, I guess, the primary reason why he didn't play in the preseason, first preseason game Friday, but 
He's pretty much the starting small forward right now, unless Dwayne Bacon dethrones him, which that could happen. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see how that plays out. But it it's early, but it looks like Ennis actually lost a lot of weight or at least got in better shape. Um, Clifford emphasized in one of the interviews that, um, you know, the Zoom call interviews that he's been having with the media, um, that Ennis was in awesome shape. Like he's ahead of the curve. Uh, shape-wise, comparison to other people, and I think he said that about T. Ross as well. But um, which is good because honestly, I, I think at, uh, Ennis was lacking some athleticism. I thought in the Milwaukee series, uh, in the playoff series. So if he's in better shape now, I mean, may, maybe we'll see be- even better play out of him because I mean his shooting percentages just—they—they they, he didn't shoot the ball that well for us last season, and we'll see. I mean, look, he's a tough guy. If he can knock open threes and then play some respectable defense, that's all you want from him at this point. But, I mean, I'd rather have a one-do, but I don't know. What's your thoughts on Ennis? Yeah, I, uh, I guess I was surprised that he came back, although less surprising in terms of Jonathan Isaac being out, you know, for the foreseeable future. Um, but, again, at the at the contract value that he got, I think – he has an opportunity to start here and provide kind of that, um, you know, I wish the team was better, but he kind of provides like that fifth starter Matt Barnes type thing where it's just hard charging and, uh, you know, energy and movement and a little bit of shooting um, and, and a toughness that, you know, in the same way Michael Carter-Williams adds a little mean streak to the team that hopefully... Um, there's a mutual benefit over the course of, of this year where he steps into the full-time starters role, gets to showcase himself a little bit and, and maybe plays himself into a, a new contract somewhere else after, you know, helping the magic get to the playoffs. Yeah. He, 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 it looked like he really wanted to stay here. It was just a matter of getting a bit more money than the vet minimum that he would have gotten. And he, he got that 3.3 million. It's, I think it's a good value in that regard. But we got to look at our salary cap now because, like the sal, or at least our salaries anyway. But the salary cap stays the same as last season at one hundred nine point one million dollars. Luxury tax is at about one hundred thirty two point six million dollars. The Magic salary wise are now at about one hundred twenty nine point eight million in salaries. So they're about two point eight million dollars under the luxury tax. So. Anyone that says, you know, the DeVos family is cheap when it comes to contracts, we're, we're over the cap and we're almost up against the luxury tax, which obviously for this squad, um, you definitely don't touch the get, get into the luxury tax. It's not worth it. But, you know, the Magic, they have 15 players under contract, you know, including Chumo Kiki's rookie deal, which he's making about $3.1 million. Then Cole Anthony's making about $3.2 million. So, um, and then... Jonathan Isaac's got that $7.3 million that he's making this season. Will we get a medical exemption for J.I. of some sorts? I don't know. Even if we do, I don't know if we you know, use it to bring in another player. Right now, the roster's full at 15. And then two two-way guys, which our two-way guys are Jordan Bone who and uh, and an undrafted Kareem Mane. So Bone, he's a... I'd call him a speedy six foot three point guard who was in Detroit's developmental system. Uh, I doubt he'll get more on court burn than Josh Majette did, but who knows? Um, Majette, you know, completely different point guard from Bone. But again, this is a COVID nineteen season, so if 
health, per, you know, if health reasons hop in, you know, we can see Bone getting minutes after all. But I'm not too impressed by Jordan Bone's game. I, I don't know how much you've seen of him, but I mean, he's 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 kind of again, he's an athletic body, and you know, he he may if he can find any type of consistency with a jump shot, he's got a shot. But I I don't think he'll be eating at you know. Uh, Fultz's, Cole Anthony's, or MCW's minutes? No, certainly not. And again, um, I, you know, I guess it's it's a pleasant surprise when the Magic take advantage of the two way, con- uh, you know, the two way contract to give it to somebody who is um, young and with potential. I feel like that should be the primary focus of. Um, locking someone into a two-way and using the G League to, you know, drive development as opposed to a player in their 30s that's, um, you know, primarily a finished product like a Majette. Um, But in terms of him making any sort of significant impact on the team this year, I I can't imagine that we'll see more from him than we saw from, like, a B.J. Johnson last year. Yeah. For sure. Now, the other guy I'm interested in, it's uh, Kareem Mane, who I'm very, very intrigued in. I've bought all the stock on this guy. Um, I think he I think he could be kind of a Toronto Raptor-like gem. Um, and we'll see how that pans out. But he's a 6'5 guard. He's 20 years old. He's he om- I guess he I don't know if he has a 6'10 wingspan or almost a 7-foot wingspan. I, 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 I think that varies a little bit, but he, he's a long guy. Let's put it that way. But um, he moved from Senegal to Canada when he was seven years old. He traveled two hours per day basically going and then two hours per day going back home to attend uh, Vanier College up in uh, Quebec. And he's a, he's a Montreal, Quebec kid basically. So he, him and, he and Ken Birch kind of have this strong bond going already, being the other Canadian on the team. But, uh, you know, Mane looks like a prospect, again, that – you would see like a diamond in the rough kind of Toronto Raptor gem. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to become like Pascal Siakam good or anything, but um, I mean, he was, he was undrafted. Um, and I can't remember some of the other Raptors. I mean, Fred Van Vliet, you know, he's not going to be Fred Van Vliet, I don't think, but you never know. I think he's got that potential though. So we'll see how his progress goes. He's going to spend the majority of his time with Lakeland. We don't know yet if Lakeland's participating in kind of the G League's bubble uh experiment season that's going to be going on i guess in atlanta georgia maybe we, we don't know the full details on that i assume they will because we signed a few other uh guys that are clearly meant for the g league i won't go into the details about the john teskies or any of that so um but yeah i mean i don't know what your thoughts on Mane or or maybe the, the g league guys uh in that regard um yeah again for Mane, that's i think the perfect example of utilizing the system as it's intended is you, you, you know, claim a guy, stash a guy, develop a guy and hope that you, that you pan out some gold. Um, and certainly there's incredible, incredible upside there for, um, you know, and, and under the radar, um, off the radar (laughs) type player, you know? Um, so certainly excited about monitoring that that progress over the course of the year and really athleticism and shooting, you, you can't have enough. So if you can find and develop, then you're ahead of the game. Yeah. But I mean, that's, 
that's it for the for the offseason. There was no trading of players. Uh, you know, salary cap wise, there's again almost nothing more we can do other than trades at this point. We're again, we're almost we're just under you know, we're about two point eight million dollars under the luxury tax. Um I'm not too thrilled that Evan Fournier is still on the roster. Uh, I, you can agree or disagree with me on that, but I did have a question for you. Would you try to put a trade package together for James Harden? Because I would not. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. Oh, so you I would. You would. Okay. Into, okay. Yeah, we talked ourselves into on the last podcast, um, Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I consider Westbrook a better a, a better. Uh, get a better player, a better person than James Harden. That's that's why. But explain yourself. Um, well, okay. If we're talking about as a person, I, I think that the, uh, Westbrook might be a better person than James Harden. Because he's, he's more of a leader and he's got the work ethic, yeah. at least from a team yeah. perspective, for sure. In terms of game um, that ages the best, you know, I mean, Harden. I, I think we'll be a better player for longer from today's date onward. But either way, uh, James Harden moves the needle in a way that no other player on our roster does. And if they wanted to take any of our uh, crappy assets in return, <laughs> then yeah, I'd put a package together for that. And I'm aware I'm in the minority. I, 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 I don't, I'm not one of those like purists that, doesn't enjoy watching James Harden play. I, mean, I don't think he's he's probably not the best leader. And if you look at the way the divorce has played out with the last several other big star players on the Rockets, I think that at this point the common denominator is Harden. But that being said, it, it's about winning, right? It is, but I think he's 31 years old now. He's... He's clearly, you know, I don't know how, how much he's taking care of himself, but uh, I mean, I've I've been anti-James Harden for a long time now. I, I don't like his brand of basketball. Yes, he scores a lot of points. Yes, he wins a lot in the regular season. Chokes a lot in, in the playoffs. Um, is not a true leader. Um, seems to be a divisive figure. Be it, you know, it seems like he control, you know, the Rockets gave him the keys to the franchise where he controls practices or not, you know, practices not happening. Um, there's, he's their culture. And unfortunately I don't like it. I don't, I don't care for it. Again, I'm aware I'm in the minority because again, the magic aren't really in a great position to be like, well, you know, we, we probably shouldn't go after him, but I mean, on paper, this magic team could be in trouble, but still, I, I don't want James Harden. I'd rather go down with the ship than, than take on Harden, and that's kind of my viewpoint on that. I don't know if you had a rebuttal or you want to go my, to My hard. rebuttal is that I would like to win in the playoffs again. But Harden may not be the one to do that, though. That's the thing. Because I don't know what you – you would basically have to give up – what would you have to give up? Fournier, Ross, uh, Bamba for sure, Aminu, and then I guess Picks. So, I mean – uh-huh. You, know, you, don't, you don't think Harden and uh, Fultz and Vucevic would get you into the second round? I mean, I God, I would hope so. But again, I just, I, I don't think Harden's good for a locker room. I don't get, think Harden's good for a team. And I just, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with them. I, you know, I don't care about the, the strip club stuff. I, I, I could, I could, I could care less. I couldn't care less about that. I really couldn't. I'm more about 
why why do you make your locker room so divisive? Like why is it? Because I mean that team's gone to to hell without you know with some of the veterans that have that have vacated that team basically. But I mean you know because because once Chris Paul left, there there's really no you know Chris Paul was pretty much the leader of that team those past couple of years when they when they should have knocked off the Warriors and they should have made the finals. But um, I just I I think Harden is gonna show decline sooner rather than later he his game would make you think that you know he, he'll he'll be able to age pretty well just if nothing else from a three-point shooting perspective but when you make as much money as he makes um you know well over 40 million dollars per season you know you get into a and and that's the other thing is you got to try and find a way you know if you do make a you know come up with a package then you got to hope that you can actually keep him because his contract's i think coming up here soon but um I'm not a Harden fan. I don't care for his game. I don't care that he's, you know, that he's an MVP contender for the past couple of years now. I just, I'm not a Harden fan. And that's my stubborn Greekness showing in that regard. But it's just not my type of, you know, my type of player and not somebody I would want to be the head of the franchise or someone I'd want to root for. That, that's my, that's me. But anyway, so. You also rooted yep. for Dwight Howard for nine years when he was. You know, well, and we found well for the most part we kept Dwight in check. That's the thing. We kept Dwight in check here in Orlando. At least uh, Harden is uh, authentically himself. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, I guess I'll I'll agree with you with that. In that regard, Dwight was very very hypocritical. Like if he put if he looked up hypocrite in the dictionary, I think Dwight would actually his photo would show up, but. Um, hey, Dwight's an NBA champion and James Harden's not. So that's, that's 2020 for you right now. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a Harden guy. And look, we can talk about Dwight, how Dwight had the wrong influencers around him for a long time, but it's also kind of his mindset, his mentality. Um, I think Harden is a much more grounded character in that regard than Dwight, but that's not saying much. Um, again, I'm thinking from a team perspective, again, you know, if you bring in Harden, you can't. You may get to the second round in the East, and that's about it. And it's not worth it for me in, in that regard. I'll just leave it at that. But um, I mean, I, I had a list. Uh, you know, I talked about it last podcast. Kind of a list of stuff that I wanted. I was hoping to deal away Terrence Ross to a contender for picks and or you know some promising talent. I thought Portland would have been the team for him for that. Um, and that didn't quite happen. Portland went like the Robert Robert Covington route instead. Um, and I mean, it was is either between you know come up a pack for a pack uh, you know come up with a package for Aaron Gordon or go after a guy like T. Ross. But I think Ross, who is twenty nine, he's going to turn thirty during the season, I believe. Um, funny enough, again, it's he's his training camps being stalled like last year with an injury. This time. I guess somebody stepped on his foot and he's got like a small hairline fracture on one of his toes, which the Magic are trying to make it seem like it's very minor. Let's see. We'll find out how long he's out for and we'll see what type of rhythm he's he's in because he's a rhythm player. And if he's you know missing time in training camp and preseason, that's going to carry over to the regular season. And in, in a shortened season that we're you know coming up to right now, he's our sixth man and we depend on him to you know he's a human torch we we depend on him to catch fire and if 
you know, physically he supposedly came in in awesome shape, which I I hope so. And that you know he'll he'll be able to play in the first regular season game. But um, I I I thought now was the time to to sell. Um, he's on a, a a respectable contract now, and I don't know if his trade value is going to be as as good as it is at the moment. But he had a down year last season, that's for sure. And maybe the Magic are waiting for him to you know, to maybe get it going again before they, they really contemplate taking in a trade offer for him. But, um, the, the other big one though, is dealing away Evan Fournier to a contender for, you know, picks and, and, and talent and, you know, and young promising talent, but that's very limited because he picked up his player option. And so he's on the final year of his contract at about $17 million. And so, you know, obviously what you would get back is, little but i feel like had you traded him now you'd get back more now than what you'll get if you wait till the march i think 25th trade deadline but i don't know what's your view on ross and fournier and well you know what let me go through my list and then you can pick out some points that you want to emphasize sorry so let, let me just keep going through my list but you know i wanted to ship out aminu everybody did i'm sure as a magic fan but his value is so low right now you know, and somehow it's fallen even more during, you know, since our, our last recording because we found out he he had uh, an arthroscopic procedure on his knee to to remove some of the swelling from his surgically repaired knee. So that's never good news. But again, the Magic are trying to downplay it, like, oh yeah, he'll be fine by January. But that's not good. The man's making over nine million dollars per season on the mid-level exception, and he's got yet another year after this one, I think, on his contract. So his value is at an all-time low at this point. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to keep Aaron Gordon if he wants to be here. If not, then try and find a way to get an awesome trade. And obviously we, we found out through rumors and news that Aaron Gordon has had, you know, there's been at least 10 interest, you know, 10 fairly, if not heavily interested in other NBA teams interested in, in dealing and getting Aaron Gordon on their team. But obviously nothing's been anywhere near appealing enough. Plus AG's value is is on the rise i think um and we'll see if he's if he can actually perform the way we think he can perform without jonathan isaac you know on the roster for this whole season ag can naturally play power forward and do everything and anything he wants in that position and we'll see how he does in that regard i saw i heard an interesting stat where the magic are a top five nba team in offensive efficiency when Aaron Gordon averages six assists per game, which he was doing a decent amount, um, you know, the last dozen or so games after the all-star break and before COVID-19 hit. So I think Aaron was really honestly playing like his best ball. But I think during that stretch, I think he was averaging like 16 points per game too. And he was shooting almost uh, 50%, I think, from the field. So he, we'll see what, what, which AG we get. If, if, he taps into what I think he can tap in. I ain't trading him. It's not happening. You know, not unless he's he wants to. You know, he wants to be dealt. Then we can get something great for him, and then we can focus on Jonathan Isaac being the power forward moving forward. But um, yeah, and then a few other things that I had listed. You know, I wanted to let DJ Augustine walk, which done cool, awesome. Somehow DJ Augustine got seventeen million dollars per season for a few years in Milwaukee. So I'll let you comment on that. Did you think DJ Augustine would be making seven million dollars again this season, Penny? Um, I certainly did not think that, but also 
in terms of all of the contract signings that the Magic have made over the last three to four years, has anyone fulfilled their end of the bargain more than DJ Augustine for us? I mean, did he? I don't know. Was he worth the seven million dollars? I mean, look, he's in terms of yeah, I get in terms of where we were as far as point guards go. Like, if you look back on the Shelvin Mack, you know, era, era and whatnot, like. Error. Error was right. Or error. Um, you know, in that regard, DJ Augustine was a godsend. But once we, you know, once Wilhelm swooped in and and stole you know, Markel from Philly, then the perspective kind of shifts. And I mean, look, Augustine's 33 years old now. So, um, again, he, you know, the $7 million per season was pretty strong. He, he you know, he, he won game one against Toronto in the playoff series. Uh you know, in 2019, and, you know, for that, we'll forever be grateful for that, I think, but, um, yeah, you're right, I mean, he, you know, the contract, I mean, in again, terms of, in terms of shooting, um, in terms of locker room presence, I mean, the yeah. encore production was solid, was veteran solid for the duration of his contract, and also, too, I think, taking in stride the, you know, demotion but moving willingly into the backup role to feature Markel too I think that you know not everyone walks that fine line in in the most professional way either yeah we'll see gosh we'll see about the locker room stuff because you're right Augustine was the favorite amongst the players in the locker room like there's no debate about it like every interview you hear people love love Augustine probably the most in the in the locker room People said he was the funniest guy in the locker room, so maybe by getting rid of the funny guy, maybe we'll be better. I don't know as well, but um, now, like, and I'll say it now, but yeah, this is the first season I think in Magic history where I'm older than the the oldest player on the mag on a Magic team. So um, Augustine was the old guy, kind of keeping it keeping it going there for a bit, but um, with DJ gone, the the three oldest guys are 30 years old. It's Ennis. Um, Vucevic and Aminu. Those are the three oldest guys on the team. And we don't even have a 31-year-old Josh Majette to lean on either. So, um, Yeah, it was, real, it was real disconcerting when that started happening about, oh, I don't know, five or six years ago with the Magic Dancers when they had a dance team. We like, <laughs> well, we can't even watch the dancers anymore because now they're – and now it's the players on the roster. So, um, yeah, that sucks. I, evidently, we're, we're not going to end up playing an NBA minute in this lifetime. I don't know, man. COVID-19 brings some weird surprises. <laughs> there, there could be, there could be a tryout waiting for us there in the, in the, in the distant future. Who knows? But now, nah, I mean, yeah, Augustine is going to be fascinating because that's really, honestly, the biggest move of the off season was literally just letting him walk. And we're going to have, we're going to try and have Cole Anthony be the backup point guard. If he struggles, I imagine it's going to be Michael Carter Williams. So you're, you're still okay, but it's locker room presence, you know, one of the things that, that's been awesome to hear is uh, apparently Markel Fultz has been a lot more vocal because, I mean, this is Fultz, this is going to be Fultz's second full season with the Magic, and he's the starting point guard, and that's what you want to hear is you want him to be kind of have more of a presence in the locker room. That was something that Alfred Payton was not good at during his tenure with the Magic. So to see Fultz kind of take more of the, the rope is a good thing, and then Clifford was saying, you know, Aminu, Chief, you know, is is one of the main veteran guys. Um, and then the other couple guys are Evan, Terrence, and AG a little bit. But, I mean, it seems like the two biggest uh, 
biggest voices are Vucevic and, and maybe Fultz now. So we'll see how, how that pans out. Um, you want to comment on the other stuff I was talking about before? I, I still have a few other things, but I didn't know if you want if you want to comment on either Ross, Fournier, AG, or any of the other stuff. Um, yeah, just real quickly, I think the, the, the Ross move, you're right, last year was a down year. Um, and in light of the fact that this year will also be pretty topsy turvy. Uh, we, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with health or where teams are going to be at the trade deadline or trying to fortify as they make their push for a championship. But if Ross can shoot the ball well this year, there may be some teams that are their hand will be forced for an overpay um, in terms of his trade value later on. Um, in terms of Fournier, I think you know the value that he brings to this team because of the way it's presently constructed and the talent level, there's just not going to be an equitable return. I I don't know what it's going to look like at the end of the contract. My, if I had to, you know, prognosticate, I would say that he will finish this year and then go somewhere else. I don't think he'll get moved throughout, throughout the course of this season. Um, And then on, on Aaron Gordon, if only we knew two or three years ago that the key to you know finally unlocking the last amount of untapped potential was just to go with the the afro i i wish someone would have picked out the hair a couple of years ago yeah i mean it, it adds some elevation i guess uh, but it's he's only 25 he's still he's still getting there in that regard all right a few other things so i wanted i wanted us to re-sign whistle didn't happen we didn't even extend a qualifying offer to him so i'm, I'm not happy about that and I wish him good luck in, in Dallas. He's he's going to be on a fun Mavericks team, so I'm curious about that. Um, I wanted to re-sign Michael Carter-Williams. Cool, done, awesome. Um, wanted to try and keep Gary Clark, um, and we did, so that's that's great. Uh, wanted to let Melvin Frazier walk. We did, awesome. I'm You and I are probably both happy about that. And then... You know, I wanted to see if Ennis would pick up his two million dollar player option. He didn't. Um, you know, I, I again, I'd rather have a one do than Ennis. But if Ennis is in much better shape now, and again, we're getting him at about three million dollars per season or around there, um, I'm not going to complain in that in having him. I like James. I just thought at 30 years old, I didn't know if it was if it was going to be valuable to to have him for just a year, but. I guess he's our buffer between now and, and Isaac and I know Kiki in development wise. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. That's all I got for, for the moves. Yeah. I think the, you know, those little end of the summer, <laughs> fake summer, end of the fall uh, roster moves. I think they're all kind of what we expected more or less. And I, I in terms of Melvin Frazier, not going to miss anything there. I, um, we're we're just we're going to bank on internal development um, and hope the third time is the charm for taking that path. Yep. So for the depth chart, so you know I'm not including Mane, Bone, or Isaac. Um, you know Mane and Bone are the two two way guys, and then Isaac is is out for the whole season. But depth chart wise, I mean at center I got Vucevic, Kem Birch, and then Mo Bamba at the center position. I got Bamba behind Birch. Birch was was playing better than Bamba towards the end of last season, and then the COVID, you know, and Bamba's, you know, got hit by COVID in June, and it's still affecting him. He's still getting his cardio going again, and hopefully we'll see him this month, December. Hopefully we see Mo. 
And we'll kind of go from there. He had to lose some weight, I guess, because just because he's getting his cardio going again. I think he went from like 256 back down to 240, which it's still, he's, he's still put on a lot of muscle in that regard. Um, and then from a power forward perspective, I have Aaron Gordon. I have Gary Clark as the backup power forward. And then I have Aminu listed as the third right now because Aminu's out till probably January, at least, I would think. Small forward, I had James Ennis listed as the starter, and then Okiki as the backup small forward, but it's going to be interesting to see how, um, how, how, Cliff, how Clifford plays Okiki, whether he wants him still primarily as a power forward, as he's been kind of practicing at in training camp, or if it just doesn't matter right now, if you alternate between Clark and Okiki as the two forwards, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, we saw Bacon start at small forward, and... You know, I had a shooting guard. I had the depth chart as Fournier starting, Ross as the backup, our six-man guy, basically, and then Bacon as the third shooting guard. But I guess we we can see Bacon more as a small forward. And then point guard, I got Fultz, Cole Anthony, and I put Michael Carter-Williams as the the third point guard. But he's basically a utility guy that can play shooting guard, small forward. He'll guard anybody and play against anybody. So I don't know if you got any – thoughts on the depth chart or any kind of disagreements but I would assume right now our starters would be Vucevic, Aaron, Ennis, Fournier, and Fultz. I would I would agree with that assumption. Provided people are healthy obviously but um, yeah so anyway speaking of training camp you know it started again December 1st. December 4th was when actual team practice could occur uh, the Magic had like have had only like one day off, which was December eighth. Um, so they've been working pretty hard. I'm noticing NBA teams don't really do two a days anymore, and especially not during COVID nineteen. So they're getting kind of all their work done in the in the morning and early afternoon, and you know they'll they're they're getting done what they they can get done during a pandemic. But um, you know I already mentioned that Aminu had his right knee drained uh, via an arthroscopic procedure. You know, he hurt his knee over a year ago, you know, and it was like in, in November of last year, he hurt it. Then he re-aggravated again in like December and had surgery January 7th. So that was kind of a double whammy where it's like, okay, you don't have Isaac. And then, oh yeah, Aminu's out for, for a long, for the rest of the year too. So we were really short on power forward. So thank you, Gary Clark for that. Um, so again, my, my guess is January for Mino. It may, it may be even longer. It may be sooner. I don't know. But it, it's anytime I hear any type of knee or, you know, swelling and or the removal of swelling via, an arthro, or, you know, via some type of surgical procedure on a knee that you had surgically repaired, I don't like the sound of that. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on, on Amino? Any, any, any guesses, any hopes that we see him anytime soon? I, I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, if it extends for a long, long time. Um, you don't blame him for trying to go the non-surgical route to begin with. Right. right? Um, but, but after that, when there's continued complications and also, um, let's be honest, I think from a, <laughs> from a fan perspective, if you're looking to find minutes for somebody across the forward position, you'd at this point, probably rather give them to Okiki anyway, right? Yeah, Chuma, and Chuma's going to need the reps, because again, I mean, he last played um, actual basketball in March of 2019 for Auburn in the, you know, in the Elite Eight, you know, when he got hurt against UNC, 
So I guess maybe it was April. I can't remember if they if it, yeah, it's either late March or early April. But I mean, he hasn't he had not played real basketball in like a year and a half theoretically. So yeah, I don't know. You know, I, and he looked pretty rusty and he looked a little nervous. But he he had a few. He he found his rhythm a little bit once he hit that first bucket and then you know he hit that three and whatnot. So he's he's gonna get there. Um, and then I mean, other than that, you know, I already said Ross has like that small hairline fracture, I guess, in his toe from somebody stepping on him. I'd like to find out who it was that stepped on him, but we may not find that out. Um, I always advise Magic fans to hear all the post-practice Zoom call interviews, which are actually intriguing because because there's, there's Zoom call interviews, you get uh, people from you know outside of Orlando that, that hop in on them. Like there's a, a Greek reporter from Athens last night in the in the – interviews for um for the friday night game that we won you know 116 112 against atlanta the, in the for the preseason game but then for like kareem money interest there's like two montreal like reporters that were calling that were calling in so those are pretty entertaining because you actually get like different viewpoints and mindsets and you always pick up a lot of stuff especially from the stuff clifford says but yeah, we'll see how uh, Chuma and Cole kind of get through their grind here. It's all very condensed, and it's it's a crash course in, in being an NBA rookie. Um, but that's it for, for the roster's perspective. That's it from a training camp perspective. Uh, before we get to the schedule, Penny, do we care about the Magic Together new team slogan uh, and its anthem? Because I, I do think it's better than Magic above all, but that's not saying much. And it just seems kind of mad at this point, especially the anthem. Yeah, we don't care about it, um, and I think one of the things that has been disappointing over the years with the Magic too is that they they roll the slogans over from year to year, you know. So like, pure Magic stuck around for a while. Uh, magic above all, correct me if I'm wrong, could have been a two year thing. I think if, you're right. Yeah, if it's something that's like, you know, if it really fits the bill, then that should be the ongoing slogan um, and if it doesn't I, I think each year should be its own entity um and this one sucks yeah magic together yeah it's i don't know it might have been like a the the witches of salem anthem back in the 1600s i don't know but um yeah I, i'm not a fan of it and look you know me i i like I, I'm trying to force the Let's Go Magic hashtag because that's like our best like in-game song that gets the fans involved as well. But um, we haven't found that anthem yet. So let's move on to the city jerseys. I talked about them all by, by myself, I think, quickly. But what were your thoughts on the Magic's new orange and white city jerseys? I think, again, they're a huge upgrade from last season's. Um, they have pinstripes and they have the old school lettering, although the number five look is wrong whatever five they use for Bomba and Cole Anthony, that, that's wrong. They need to look at some Donald Royal photos or something. But um, I don't like the ORL star on the front. Um, I You know, it should just been Orlando with the star as the A. It's still a good effort overall. Now, since the last recording, I, I realized that um, it's the star isn't, doesn't reflect any of the Magic's old stars that they've worn or used in their past jerseys. It's the same star as the Dallas Cowboys. And it, it it's like a glass shattering moment where once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I you know, me being a Philadelphia Eagles guy, 
Obviously, I hate the Dallas Cowboys, so it sucks. I I don't like it, but um, you know, the other again, the disappointing thing is they still don't have Orlando spelled out in any of the gear, any of the collection gear yet that you can buy. Um, it's all ORL and the star, and and I I I don't care for that part. It's a big upgrade from last season's city jerseys for sure, just with the pinstripes and. I like the orange and white. I think it actually goes pretty well, but um, I'm waiting for the full Orlando to be used in some of the merch before I, I dabble in potentially buying it. What are your thoughts? Um, well, kudos to you, uh, and I hate that word, um, but for finding the, placing the star um, as being a Cowboys star. It's the same exact Dallas Cowboys star, right? I'm not crazy. Yeah, once you see it, you only see that. I, I agree. I think the colors this year, you know, the white and orange, I think are a significant upgrade over last year's model. I think that, and I will say, okay, as painful as it is, the best city edition jerseys over the last several years have been from which team? <sighs> Down South, Miami. Right. And, and they, and I think that there's room to grow with this uh, orange, you know, theme. Yeah. So I, I think that, as we continue on through the years, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to come out with some really creative and cool looking jerseys. So um, they're moving in the right direction. It would be much, much better with the city spelled out in its entire entirety. And I don't think there's any reason that it makes sense that they didn't spell out. It's huge. It's huge on the front. Like you can, if you, if you make the letter, the, the text, the font smaller and just spell out Orlando, I think the Jersey looks a lot better, even just in that regard. But, and then the other thing is I, I don't care for anthracite or I don't care for the gray. The only real noticeable spot you see it is basically in the shoulders, like the, the outline of the Jersey itself. If that was a magic blue, I think that might actually look better now than it'd be like a Florida Gator Jersey, which I, again, I don't, I don't care about that too much, but um, even just a pure actual black, mate. Well, maybe not, but just I don't care for the anthracite gray. Um, yeah, I don't know if you had any other thoughts. Um, just spell the just spell it out. Spell That's it out. Yeah, it's not that long. Orlando's not that long. It's shorter than Jernigan. That's for sure. But. Um, all right, let's get to the schedule and then we'll, we'll get out of here. But so the first 37 games of our 72 game schedule were released. We'll get the remaining schedule later, but the regular season is going to end sometime in May. Like, I think it's like, it might be around your birthday. It might be like two days before your birthday. I think that the regular season ends, but we, uh, we host Miami again, uh, in the December 23rd season opener. So over the past few years, off and on, we've been playing in Miami in the season opener. Now, 2016 was the last time we actually lost a game to the Heat, but we've been kind of on a we've been on a three-game losing streak to Miami. We lo- we lost the last three uh meetings with the Heat. The last one being, I think it was like March 4th. It was like right before it was the last loss we had um before the pandemic and then we won three straight games and then the pandemic happened and then we went into the bubble, but um and it was a, it was like a heartbreaking, like it was a, it was a very tight 116-113 loss. But the first Miami game we played was in early January. It was January 3rd. It was the game after we lost Jonathan Isaac. I was there. 
uh, with George, and it was the last. It was the last I think Magic home game I'd been to inside Amway Center because I went on the LA trip and I saw us beat the Lakers in Staples Center and then get stomped by the Clippers. The you know the next game, but um, January third, we 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 won that Miami game without Isaac, and I remember like Tyler Hero shot like shit, but I mean we we curb stomped Miami by like twenty points. It was like one hundred five to eighty five, and. We'll see. We'll see how that. We'll we'll learn a lot from that opener, I think, because obviously Miami they they made the finals. Thankfully, they didn't win another title. Thank God, we have enough catching up to do as is. But um, a lot. We'll, we'll learn a lot from that first game. But uh, anyway, going back to the schedule, you know, the last game we know of for now is that we're hosting the Atlanta Hawks on March third. Um, we know that the, then there's the All Star break, which is like. March 5th to the 10th, I think, officially. But there's no All-Star game itself. Um, assuming we don't have to make up games during that time, you know, the Magic should have, like, at least a full week off. Um, you know, I've already said we have the four preseason games. We played one Friday night already against Atlanta. We have one tonight in Atlanta. And then we have two home preseason games against the Charlotte Hornets, December 17th and the 19th. So we're getting a little bit of in-division uh, play going on there. Um but right now, from a prediction perspective, and it's weird because I can't do a full season prediction because we don't have the full schedule, but I have us at 19 and 18 in these first 37 games going into the All-Star break, which honestly, it's a lot more optimistic than even I thought I was gonna it was going to be. But if you really break down the schedule, there's some very winnable games. And if the Magic are even like a game or two under 500... I would be encouraged because the second half of the se- you know of the season schedule I think should be a little bit better and so you know it didn't work out last season because we lost the last month of the season schedule which was in our favor heavily and we probably would have finished the 7th seed and not the 8th seed uh, as we did in the bubble but um you know, the trade deadline, like I said, it's after the All-Star breaks. It's around March 24th, 5th. If we're underperforming, I would say get ready for a few trades. But, you know, if we're more than five games under 500, or if we're, you know, yeah, if we're five or more games under 500, I can't imagine, you know, I would imagine we could see guys like Fournier or Ross get unloaded. So, um, and then there's the other problem, how the rest of the East pretty much is, is better, you know, because... Even though we have the play-in game, you know you have seven plays ten, and then eight plays nine to get into the postseason. There could be a situation where the Magic aren't even a top ten team, um, because right now, you know, the problem I see is there's only a few teams that I can definitely say the Magic are better than. Knicks. Definitely, definitely the Knicks. Definitely Cleveland. I have Detroit listed here, but. I'm I'm a little worried because if you know they get good Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose and they're both healthy, that could be debatable itself. Chicago, I think, is better just from an organizational perspective, and they'll have better coaching. Um, I think the Magic better are than, probably better. better. Than previous Chicago coaching, not better coaching than Magic coaching. Right, correct. So just by default, because better that Chicago has better coaching by their standards. Um, I think they'll be improved. I still think the Magic are better than the Bulls, but I can't be fully certain about that. And then I'm worried about the Wizards, Hawks, and Hornets because they've all drastically improved their rosters. I mean, the Hawks, they got Gallinari, they got Bogdanovich, and then 
And then, I mean, they and then they also have Capella, who didn't play last season after the trade or whatnot. But, I mean, the Wizards, they got Russell Westbrook. They got a very scary backcourt with Russ and, and Bradley Beal. Um, now, their depth is questionable. And, you know, if, if Bertans takes a step back shooting-wise, then they're, they're in trouble. But I'm pretty scared of that Wizards team right now on paper um, for what they could potentially be. Because they're already a terrible defensive team. We already know they win specifically based off of offense. And so you're adding a potentially big-time offensive weapon in Russell Westbrook. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be inefficient, and, you know, maybe the Magic won't have to worry about it after all. But, again, you can't throw that out as an option. So or as not an option. But um, And then, lastly, the Hornets, they got Gordon Hayward. They drafted LaMelo Ball. That That's a very interesting situation where, again, they could crash and burn quite easily, especially if Hayward isn't healthy for most of the season. They, they could be in trouble. But um, And then the, all the other East teams that finished above the Magic were you know were in the playoffs. So, um, again, I, I have us going 19 and 18 those first, you know, those first 37 games. If they're even just two, maybe even three games under 500, I'd say they're actually in an okay spot. But I don't know, what are your thoughts on the schedule and any of the stuff I was saying about, you know, do, do we see a team like Indiana take a step back? I don't know, but um, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, yeah, I think in terms of teams that finished last year ahead of Orlando, Indiana's probably the only one that's conceivable if their locker room um, has been fractured beyond repair with the Oladipo rumors, etc. But everyone else, I think, is... It's very, it's very conceivable that the Magic could be in last place in the Southeast Division this year, which is not something that I think we anticipated. Um, but still maybe a playoff team. We don't know. <laughs> right, that too. Um, just real quickly on the schedule, I know we um, all of us look to your uh, rosy predictions to make us feel good. Um, yeah. I think, you know, my my just skimming the 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 schedule uh i would have us at 17 and 20 at the break and i did want to note too that's pretty good uh, found a pretty good resource on twitter um that i wanted to call out positive residual.com and if you look at the magic schedule they have some um broken down analytics some some positive notes for us in the first 37 games um for in terms of being at a rest disadvantage for a game, the Magic are only going to be at a rest disadvantage on three occasions. Ooh, okay. um, and that's actually the best number across all teams for the first 37 games. That's awesome. That's a great find. And in terms of being in a rest advantage, the Magic will be at a rest advantage for 10 of the 37 total games. Um, they're tied with a number of teams in terms of also having 10 rest advantage situations, but the team with the most amount of rest advantages in the first 37 games is going to be the Miami Heat, and they have 12. Um, I think that's virtue of um, you know geographic location in terms of teams coming to do the Florida two-step. Um, well, it's a three-step now. Way. Any any way that uh, any way that we can get any sort of um, positives off the court we'll we'll take that too and it's a florida three-step now which I, one of the teams that i think actually could drop that we thought would drop last season but didn't but could drop this season is the toronto raptors who are now the tampa very raptors at the point. moment i forgot about the tampa raptors yeah so yeah. and 
there may be some issues with Kyle Lowry with them. I don't know. It could be completely blown out of control. I don't know. But they've lost Serge Ibaka. They've lost Marcus All. Yeah, they picked up Aaron Baines. But that's that's a team that might fall. And maybe, you know, because I think they were, they were still a second seed last season. So um, maybe Philadelphia ascends to, to be top two with Milwaukee. Um, maybe Brooklyn ascends to be, you know, in that top four mix as well. But I can see a situation where Toronto is like, and then Miami, of course, the Heat too, I guess. But um, I can see a situation where Toronto is around six, seven, maybe even, um, along with, you know, teams like the Pacers. So we're going to see. Um, I'm very, very interesting too, just to put a cap on that as we look through. Uh, by virtue of the fact that Toronto is playing out of Tampa this year. Mm-hmm. For the first 37 games, they will travel the most amount of miles of any team in the NBA, including more than the Golden State Warriors, who are obviously as west as you can be. Wow. That's another awesome find. Um, Yeah, Toronto Toronto could be in trouble. And I haven't even mentioned the Boston Celtics. So, I mean, I I can see a situation where Toronto's down in 6th or 7th. I I can definitely see it. I'm not going to make a prediction about where the Magic are going to finish. I, I I really don't. Not without I can't. Not without a full schedule anyway. Um, like I said, if we're hovering anywhere near 500, even if we're 17 and 20 after these first 37 games, I think we're actually okay. I'll take that. Um, the schedule it, it's there. There there's an opportunity. You know, January gets a little crazy. They play 17 games in the month of January. They play 13 in the month of February. Like, there's there's going to be some compact stuff. I mean, rest-wise, like I said, we're at a pretty good advantage. We have six back-to-backs total uh, this first half of the schedule. Um, four of them are, are, are away-and-away situations. Two of them are home-and-home. Home, so you don't have the flip-flop of away-and-home and home-and-away. Home so I think that, that helps a lot with what you're saying in that regard. Um, I have us going three and two for this month of December. Um, if we're, you know, if we're three and two, we're, we're looking good early. Let's just put it that way. But, um, you know, January gets a little bit tough. Uh, I think I have us, yeah, I have us hidden like a six game winning streak during that long road trip in the middle of January. So a six game losing streak. So again, I have us going 19 and 18, considering a, a six game losing streak as well. Um, so it's going to be crazy. I mean, I have, you know, I, I, I go game by game and, I don't know if you have. Do you have any other thoughts going into you know these last three preseason games or this regular season ahead, other than strap in and pray nobody gets COVID? Yeah, I think the first for the, the finish out of the preseason, the, the just let's just stay healthy. We don't need any more toe issues for anybody, um, and throw everything out the window for this year, just like we did for the bubble. It's going to be uh, totally unprecedented and. We're, we're going to cross our fingers and, and hope for health to start um, and then hope for quality play after that, right? Well, and it's more it's more of a crapshoot this season than the bubble season because the bubble season, it was a controlled, closed environment. Like, here, everybody's out in the open. Every minute you spend in a hotel, every minute you travel, you, you expose yourself, you put yourself at risk of getting COVID-19. And so... Again, it is literally a complete crapshoot between you know as far as which teams are are gonna avoid like there's gonna be there's gonna be a situation where I I know it there's gonna be at least one game canceled here in the next few weeks I'm very confident 
we're going to see, or at least the game postponed because, you know, a couple players or even more will have gotten COVID-19 and, and you just can't do it because again, baseball, they had a huge epidemic problem when they were traveling and baseball, you barely have contact with other dudes out on the field other than when you're at the plate, basically football, there's, you know, you're breathing in, into each other somewhat, you know, helmet to helmet, but there's still kind of a barrier there a little bit with your helmet, um, maybe a mouth guard or whatever. If you wear a shield, cool. You're wearing pads, you're wearing gloves typically. Basketball, it's skin on skin, like you're you're up against each other. Um, I mean, even with soccer, the same thing, like you're not touching each other as much as you would in basketball. So basketball is about as full on contact as you can get from the major sports. And so there's, you know, and, and when you're playing back to backs, even again, because of the in, you know incubation period of, of COVID-19, like you could be exposed and you may not test positive for like 10 days, and, but you you could have it during that time. So it's, it's going to be crazy and it's, it's legitimately a crapshoot. And I, I just wish people stay safe. I think Amway Center is going to have fans. It looks like it, you know, season ticket holders and, you know, based off tenure and then season ticket holders and then people that put down deposits for season tickets will will have and have already been picking seats for Magic Games. I just, I know people got to make money. I know businesses got to make money and whatnot, but just, just be careful because you're not also not outdoors. You're inside buildings. You're relying on, you know, air filtration to be adequate and whatnot. And just keep the broader perspective out there that even though that the vaccine is is coming out in certain parts of the world. It's it's about to come out in the U.S. now. It, it's been approved. So, just because people are getting vaccinated doesn't mean you can't wear masks. Doesn't mean you should. You know, you, you shouldn't still be social distancing. You know, this is going to take months, if not a year, two years, before we're completely. You know, kind of in a in a very good place, basically health wise. So, that's my thoughts on that. Um, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care, and just win. Season's greetings. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way. Yeah. Yeah. Get out the way, get out the way.